Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Chris Evans here. Welcome once again to the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, the rather splendid Rafe Spore brings us up to speed on Series 3 of the brilliant Apple TV Plus parenting comedy, Trying. Leader of the Labour Party, yes, actual Sakir Starmer came on our show, sharing all we need to know about the latest goings-on in Parliament from his POV. Hilarious duo Daisy Haggard and Chris Addison spilt the beans on the return of Breeders Season 3 on Sky Comedy. And the one, the only Piers Morgan, gave us the lowdown on the latest from his talk TV show Uncensored. What a week it was for him and his team. All of that and so much more to come. So, Jack, let's kick things off. Who's first? When people think transformation, they imagine giant space robots or heartwarming TV shows about houses. But I imagine this insanely talented actor. He is gracing our screens in Apple TV's third season of Trying out next Friday. Movies, TV and theatre, he can do it all! Please give a big old welcome to the Aquarium Road Spow! Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry he wasn't more enthusiastic, right? No, I wow, can only apologise. That's got me amped. Come on, man. It's got me feeling good about myself. Well, it's got you amped and it's got you revved up, which is a, no small feat at the moment because you're 140 performances into To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, I uh, <laughs> am. It's ridiculous. Last yeah. night as well? Yeah, mate. On the bounce, 140. Only with Sundays off, eight times a week. I know. By the way, the reviews are ridiculous. Uh, off, well, thank goodness. They're off the chain, mate. Yeah, it's 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 good. Country Life. I subscribe to Country Life. <laughs> I do. I love it. I so do I. I it's, really, isn't it terrific? I really look forward you look to forward, it. I look forward to it. I so do I. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Why don't we form a club? I think we should. <laughs> Let's just talk about To Kill a Mockingbird a bit more. Uh, you've been nominated for two Olivier Awards. This could see a third, I reckon. Well, let's see. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. But Evening Standard, five stars. Sport brings a right charm and vitality to the role of the the upright liar race ball is stunning in a brand new take on To Kill a Mockingbird, the classic. Spall is magnetic in a tremendous reimagining of this absolute classic Harper Lee would approve of snappy uh, Sorkin update. That's in The Guardian, the Metro race ball radiates nimble wit as Atticus finished in To Kill a Mockingbird at the Gilgood Theatre. How'd you do it, pal? Gosh, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird uh, because I, I had really, I had no instinct for it before I did it. Like I, I didn't know whether I was going to be able to do it, and and I just, I suppose, I worked really hard um, and learnt the lines and hoped that something would come, and it did um, because I was nervous about it um, uh, because it carries a lot of weight. Everyone had an idea of Gregory Peck in their mind, and I'm probably the opposite to Gregory Peck in many ways, <laughs> many ways. Um, but we pulled it off and um, it's a relief, but it is exhausting. It does take a lot out of me. Um, and uh, I shall be I shall be looking forward to my break after uh, 14th of August is when I finish uh, it's killermockingbird.co.uk uh, for tickets if you can still get any when did you know you'd nailed it uh, <laughs> that's a good question I suppose the first preview first time you ever do really? it really yeah yeah first time you ever what? do it in front of people first time you do it in front of people you go oh okay this is interesting you get uh, because 
the theatre is essentially I'm stood on a stage, you've got a thousand people watching you, I'm speaking in such a way that disturbs the air particles in a, in a way that means that me on the stage and certain people in that audience will never forget that moment. Yeah. So the ephemeral nature of theatre is really gorgeous. You just know that because it's different every night, I do it differently every night, um, that you're sharing something. It's a very, very communal experience. Um, and I don't want to get uh, lofty about it, but it's quite spiritual, actually. That's not lofty. It's quite, it's That's quite the opposite a, of lofty. It's, it's, quite a, it's quite a spiritual exchange. And, you know, we were one of the first big shows back after the um, cultural desert of the pandemic in terms of theatre. And just to, you know, I come out of the theatre last night, Chris, and I was driving out and I see all these people and they're after the show, they're hugging because people come together to watch plays together. They yeah. go, they get tickets for a show and they call their mate and they go, do you want to come and see the play with me? And and you see them and, and I see them after the show, they're hugging each other saying, all right, it's so great to see you. And it just makes me feel a bit emotional even thinking about it. It brings people together and it's uh, it's gorgeous and meaningful. And I'm, I've been really, really well, it's been very important for me to be a part of that. Yeah, you've been blessed. I have been blessed, yeah. Cool, mate. Um, well, you deserve it. All right, we're, you're actually here not, not really to talk about that, uh, but we had to mention it because people are raving about it. Once again, I've got to say it again, tequilamockingbird.co.uk. Uh, get tickets, but leave one for me for Tuesday or Wednesday. That'd be, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Probably Tuesday. We've got a team lunch on Wednesday. There'll be no theatring after that. We'll have drama of our own to entertain us. I can sort you out. I'm at a Finch. Atticus Finch can get you tickets, don't yeah. worry. All right, mate. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, Rafe, uh, trying. We have season three of Apple TV Plus's smash hit trying uh, again when did you know this was going to be a hit um, I think well something I learned about my experience of doing acting is, is that your enjoyment of a show has no um, impact on the quality or of the reflection. finished product or reflection yeah, on the yeah. finished so we had a really great time doing it and I love working with Esther Smith who's my co-star the um, other lead on the show and she's a phenomenal person um, and people responded to it from the off and people who like this show love it but you know going back to what I was talking about you've got no control over how good something is in my position because I sort of wash my hands of it when I've done my last day shooting um, and how it turns out is up to other people but all I've got control over is the enjoyment I have making it and I love doing this show I love it and uh, it's really a bonus that people love watching it. All right, can you uh, reframe it for people who don't know because it's not about preaching to the choir. We need to get more bums on seats. Yeah. So what's it about? You can watch episodes, what, sorry, series one and two. On yeah, Catch yeah. Up, it's way. a show about two people who love each other so much and decide that they want to have kids and they're not blessed with the ability to do that naturally. So they um, decide to go through the path of adoption, which is a long and arduous process um, where every part of your life is looked into. Um, and uh, it's about that. And in the first season, it's about them being approved by the local authority. The second season is about them being matched. And the third season uh, that we're in now is they find themselves with uh, not one, but two kids um, that they're trying to bond with. Uh, and they've got 12 weeks to convince the local authority that they are capable of looking after two kids. And obviously the stakes are getting amped up because the more they're bonding with the children, the the greater the fear is that they'll be taken away from yeah. them. And they're just they're just good people. Oh my goodness! Just talking about it now, you you you're sort of reframing it. it, I just tear up thinking about it. You know, and your character. So your character. Just describe your character. Who else is in it? In it? Yeah, yeah. So me. It's uh, I, I play a guy called Jason, who's a regular fellow, and uh, Esther Smith plays Nikki, and they're 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 regular folks. They're not fancy folks. They've got normal jobs and got a nice house. You've got a nice flat and cat. Got a nice flat and cat. <laughs> 
didn't they? Yeah, they do. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a line in um, the the play that I'm doing where um, Scout speaks to the audience at the end, and she says, "Trying to do the right thing is the right thing." You know, oh, and, what? And, and, what a line! Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, she said, "There's a religious man that, that he says he speaks to God, and she says, uh, Lord, I hope my desire to please you pleases you, and uh, the desire to do the right thing is the right thing.' And these people do that. They're, that they're lovely, and there are there are a couple of people whose love is so great for each other that they want to share it. They want to personify it in a kid, and uh, and you know, this this, this is what the, the central sort of conceit of the show is really. Um, but Rafe is one of these guys. He comes in. The first thing he said, just so you know, if you're listening, the first thing he says before he comes in, thanks for having me on." Thanks for coming on, man. I know, it's You're the best. You're the best. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Good night, Mama. Good night, John Boy. Ah, the perfect family life. Well, after watching our next guest new show, you will know this is all lies. Series 3 of the Sky Original Breeders is back tomorrow at 10pm on Sky Comedy. I was thinking of having children, but no, I want none. Please welcome the comedy genius that is Dizzy Hyde. Good morning, you two. Morning, morning. How are you both? Great, thanks. Yeah, really chipper. (laughs) Do you know what? It's always nice to come in here because the view is so fantastic. You always feel good. It does feel good. It feels good on a bad day, but on a day like today, it feels like you actually may be in heaven. Yeah. Um, So how are you both feeling, um, you know, on the eve of season three of Breeders? Excited for everyone to see it. I I think I love this this, this particular season. Okay, and how are you how are you internally you know are the butterflies or are you cool with it I mean you've been here before obviously well, I'm on quite heavy medication so it's difficult for me to <laughs> are you actually sort of say no 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 I mean I should be I really should be when these things go because you've, you've no idea you can't you know you can't go near Twitter in case uh, in case people don't like it but uh, you in, know, ca- in case everything in, in case, case everything yeah. in case yeah. everything yeah. yeah all right so uh, for people who don't know uh, Daisy and Chris um, can you please uh, frame your 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 involvement in this whole shebang okay so so um, this show, Breeders, uh, I am the, uh, the co-creator along with Simon Blackwell Woo! and Martin Freeman. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm one of the, one of the directors. Uh, Daisy, what what is your involvement? I am in it. And I do play. <laughs> One of the children. I play. I, d- I don't play a child, oh. although uh, you know I should. Um, I play Ali, the, the well Martin Freeman's wife. Paul's, Ali yeah, and Paul. Are you a, and a person in her own right? She's and, not just uh, Martin Freeman's <laughs> wife. No, of... she's just oh, no. Yeah, I play Ali, the mother of the two kids, uh, married to Paul, struggling. I think in this season quite a lot with a lot of. Um, she's just she's got a lot of things in the air. Yeah. Well, as these shows go on, more and more things happen, don't they? Because yeah. they become more laid. Yeah. Where did it begin? Because it's not about preaching to the choir. It's about preaching to the, those yet to be converted. <clears throat> Excuse me. Where did this journey start? And did you? Is it where, as a writer, creator? Is it now where you thought it would be, or is not not, not how these things work? Uh, no, it is quite how these things work, and no, it's not where I thought it would be. So, um, so we start. So the show started. Uh, this is our third season. The show started a couple of years ago, and the idea behind it, for those who don't know, is that it's basically we tried to make like a truthful family sitcom <laughs> so that, that with the idea that. The idea is basically there's nothing in the world that you love more than your kids. Nothing. But equally, there's nothing that can make you angrier than your own children. And that is sort of the dynamic in in the family house. And we'd always imagined, me and um, Simon and Martin, we'd always imagined that it would be three seasons and that we'd jump forwards like five years between each each season. We did that between one and two. But this one, we've carried on from where we were before because we left it on a sort of cliffhanger before and it felt like a a cheat to uh, just jump five 
five years ahead and not explain ourselves. By and way, yes. we, we discovered these two fantastic kids um, who we used in the second season. Uh, and, you know, you, it's really hard to cast good children. And you, we knew they were good, but we didn't know how good they were. And then we went, oh, we've got to give them more to right. do. So we've stuck in the time. Like lots of things like this that end up being brilliant. It starts to tell you what to do as a writer. Yeah, yeah, it? absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. That's... Rachel, while I die over this side of the microphone... <laughs> <laughs> Um, can you please frame uh, your take, your memory of the last episode of season two? So we, we, we saw at the end of season two, there was this physical altercation between Paul and his son. And it it was very, it was a really emotional scene and it ended with the son basically saying, I can't live in the same house as you. And so Paul moved out. Yeah. yeah. How do you... Where did that storyline come from? And and do you have to do a lot of research into by, that? By the way, there's loads of laughs in it as well. <laughs> just so you know. Uh, the storyline... So we, we knew that we wanted to break Paul and Paul and Luke's relationship at the, at the end of it. And Simon thought, uh, oh, it, there's a moment when you realise that you're... For, when you've got kids, to begin with, they're just tiny and you're picking them up and you're doing everything for them. But as time goes on, they get bigger and there's a point where, where suddenly they can stand up to you. And uh, we liked the idea of, of, of Luke standing up to his dad uh, and the, the most sort of the powerful way of doing that was, was physically. So we knew we were all the way through season two, we knew we were heading towards this punch, this, this moment where, where Luke actually wallops his dad. And um, and and then this season is sort of about how they try and repair that. It's really interesting, isn't it? As a parent, I think it's really interesting because it's about the the um, direction of flow, uh, of emotion and energy. And the first time your child turns at you and looks back at you with energy going from yeah, them yeah, yeah. as opposed to to them, that's the change in direction of the relationship, I think. And that's when you have to change. Uh, you have to listen. You have to look um, as a parent more specifically. And it's, it's if you do take, if, first of all, if you notice it, you may not notice it if you're not, you know, looking in the literally looking in the right direction at the right time. It is a game changer, and it's um, it's uh, beneficial to everybody concerned. How has your um, relationship, um, Daisy, with Ali changed? Because of course you play him, so so you are in a relationship together, you as an actor and her as the character. Well, it's really lovely actually because I because I don't write it and I you know I get given these amazing <laughs> scripts and I and I go on the journey with Ali, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I so I'm not th- I don't have to think or plan or or I just I, I read these scripts. They're always so beautifully written. And um and this season I I, I, I was really excited by because I, mean, I mean she she's always been quite um Balanced, Ali, and and she sort of loses her balance in this season. She's a bit like I've had. There's another way of saying that, isn't there? <laughs> she loses her shillelagh. <laughs> Look, I'm doing really well. <laughs> but I like it. I like yeah. it. But so yeah, so she um so she she struggles a lot, and um and it was really fun. It's really fun to play, and it's really nice to see that side of her and to see her as the angry one, and to see her kind of um unable to. I know. Keep it together. And it's the quiet anger as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's the quiet anger. It's the the anger that's been banked. Yeah. Because he's all always expressing his he's all been the time. To that's do his that. language, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. In a way, that's this sort of modus operandi. She sort of had enough, you know, in some yeah. ways. Yeah, I um, love it. Again, it's pushback. Again, it's it's that change of energy. I don't yeah. know if you yeah. d- notice that in characters when you're writing it. Yeah, definitely. Because 
because and, and they they start yeah. to they start to figure out where they are, and they or or, or more to your point, Chris, they realise where they are rather than figuring it out. It's, yeah. I think it comes as a shock, quite, and that's what it was for Paul. He did, I mean, he just hadn't seen the effect that he was having on his son, or at least hadn't understood the full extent of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's had to he's had to rethink it completely. Daisy Haggard and Chris Addison, they are back, back, back with their amazing show tomorrow, episode one, season uh, three, Breeders season three, available to watch from tomorrow at 10 p.m. on Sky Comedy and Now TV and on demand, of course. Anything else you'd like to say to people listening before you go? Watch it, it's brilliant. It's it's very good. Watch it if you like. If you if you don't like it, let me know what you watched, and maybe I can watch that instead. And will you be keeping one eye on social as it goes out? Oh yeah, always. It's pathetic. Honestly, yeah, I think so. Not you, Daisy. No, no I'll hide. Glass of wine. Yeah, glass of wine. Glass of white. Glass of red. Glass of wine. But like, you can't you can't watch the socials and have and have drink. You can't do that because that that way. Careers end. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Nice to see you both again. You too. I hope we're having the same conversation about season four. All right. Looking forward to That'd it. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. This next guest was an incredibly successful lawyer, has a knighthood, is leader of one of the UK's biggest political parties and an unemployed man claims he could be captain of hindsight. Often seen asking the questions at PMQs, but today he will be answering them. I hope he's brought his debating armour. People of the UK, it's Keir Starmer! Yeah, so potential PMQs, here we go. Good morning, Kia. Good morning. We have got to do that introduction for PMQs next week. Right, <laughs> that so that's absolutely brilliant. Kia, how got... how hot have you been over the weekend, physically and also mentally? Let's go with physically first. Physically, very hot. It's been absolutely boiling. We uh, went down to Dartmoor uh, for a wedding. One of my wife's uh, friends, our daughter was the bridesmaid, and it was brilliant. But uh, all of the accommodation. Um, was yurts and things like that, and they were hot. And then I came back and come up to Newcastle to give a speech this morning. So we've been hot physically and hot in terms of what we're doing, preparing, etc. And of course, um, we're warming our hands on the Tory party, falling out with each other left, right, and centre as they fight like cats in the bag. Right now, there was another wedding over the weekend. Well, actually, I think it was on Friday. It took place on Friday, and at the wedding, um, Rishi Sunak was invited. Dominic Cummings was invited. It was somebody who was a PPS, something like that. I can't remember what. And they were getting married. Uh, did you hear about that one? And everybody had to come together for this wedding in the Tory party. <laughs> That must have been a fly on the wall of that wedding would have been absolutely brilliant because um, they're they're all taking lumps out of each other, left, right and centre. And um, after all the work we've done in our party in the last two years, for the Labour Party to be that united, confident party whilst the Tories are falling apart, uh, you've got to allow me that uh, weekend of, of, of heat. Yeah. Uh, so, so like you alluded to there, you have been where they are now very recently as a part of yourself. What advice would you give them? Oh, they have to absolutely wipe the cl- slate clean. I mean, they this is 12 years. Of, I mean, they're, they're, they're all acting in this weird way, all the candidates, as if they've just arrived from the moon. Um, to realise things are really bleeding awful. Um, and, you know, there's tax rises all over the place. Public services aren't working. 
But they've been in power for 12 years. This is the unbelievable bit of this. They've all voted for the things that have gone hopelessly wrong. Um, so, you know, they have got one hell of a clean-up uh, to do, and it's going to take years, I think. Um, I was very clear with my party. We, we absolutely had to change. Um, and when I took over as leader, that was the first thing I needed to do, to sort out things like anti-Semitism, to sort out and make clear that we absolutely supported NATO, we're pro-business. So they've got a huge amount of work to do because they are all over the place. They've left us, um, you know, with a stagnant economy. Everything's stuck. You can't get a passport. Uh, you can't get a flight. Everything you want to do, you can't do. And prices, inflation, everything's going through the roof. But but I have to say, uh, uh, they're all sort of pretending now that it's nothing to do with them and they're shocked by what they voted for for the last few years is, is, is quite a spectacle to watch. Have you been playing the violin over the weekend at all? No, I haven't been playing the violin, but um, I am still playing football, Chris. If you re do you remember many, many, <laughs> many years ago, you and I played together on yes. a Sunday evening game with yes. a guy called Jack? Yes, I do. I do. I this is so bizarre because I used to play with you on a Sunday at Brent's Cross. And this is true. And I used to play with David Cameron on a Wednesday um, uh, in not Archway, where was it? Underneath the. Well, you are ideally placed <laughs> to compare our skills. <laughs> well, he was a goal hanger. Um, Cam ah, Cameron was a go goal. No, seriously, he was a. Go he was very good though. Gary Lineker was a goal hanger, basically. So there's nothing wrong with that, particularly. But no, I used to love those games because I was doing the big breakfast at the time, you know. And we used to paint the town uh, all the colours um, on Friday and Saturday, as you may well have been aware. And on Sunday, it was sort of a, a day of not, not resurrection, but you know, sort, sort of. Um, atonement and I would spend it all yeah. day on the sofa watching Sky Football and that would finish at about 6 5.45 and then we'd all hot tow it down to Brent's Cross pay our down three there. pay our three quid and, and Jack used to take all the subs yeah that's right that's right but um, yeah those, those were the days and um, it was uh, a couple of guys Big Hands Toby was down there who I was still in touch with yeah. um, I'm actually still playing Chris I don't know whether you are I play every week I was never any good as you know but I was I was always enthusiastic uh, I, I, did, I, weren't, I wasn't aware that you were still playing um, but I, I was leading to the violin there people may think I was saying you know are you playing the tiniest violin for in the world for the Tory party but you do play violin you're very accomplished in fact you, you have piano violin what else did you play when you were younger oh this was back in the day um, flute and recorder when I was um, I was at the Guildhall School of Music as right. a Saturday exhibition. but this Chris was a long long time ago I haven't done that for a very very long time but I perhaps should get the violin out for the Tory party <laughs> this weekend well for the coming week because this is a mess that's going to go on stop it now. for a long time stop on it side. now stop it alright uh, so <laughs> who do you fear most I think um, you know and we have previous with this um, Sakir I think um, Tom Tugendhat will be the new leader of the Tory party. I think he's well, David Chris, Cameron. I've just been listening, and yeah. you're obviously the book is, as you said, are listening to what you've got to say about this. But look, I mean, I actually think that what we need is more fundamental than that. I don't think just changing the person at the top of the Tory party is going to fix the massive problem they've got us into. We need much more fundamental change than that. We, we, we need a general election. We need to change government. We need a fresh start. And you can't do that with this clapped out, tired, out of ideas government, even if you change the person at the top. So um, we want more fundamental change than that. You know, we want... Um, a fresh start and that's 
only going to happen if we have a general election. So uh, that's what I want to happen. No, I know that. I know that. I'm just warning you. I'm giving you a heads up. Be prepared to take on Tom Tugendhat. Okay, either either he or you is um, Kyrgios, and uh, whoever whoever isn't is Djokovic. So just bear that. Just bear that in mind. <laughs> all right. <laughs> take it from one. I've, I've been in this situation quite yeah, a few does times. Does that mean we get to? Uh, yeah. Does that mean we get to shout at people? Well, we do shout at people in PMTs anyway. I suppose. So. I know. I know. Um, so, we're, so you... we're we're a step ahead of, of Wimbledon on that one. Just very briefly, because we're way over time, um, Sakia, uh, what do you think the chances are of a general election this side of Christmas? That, I think that's um, difficult to call. If there's an incoming Tory leader, they should um, go to the country to get a mandate. They should go to the country if they're confident. Um, it's not very satisfactory, is it, to have a new prime minister decided by just what is a very, very small number in the end of Conservative Party members um, the public ought to have a say in that, in my view. And we need a fresh start. We're ready. We, we've put our house in order. We've changed the Labour Party. We're confident. We're united. We're fighting fit. And uh, we want to get in so we can show that we can make a real difference. So um, I say to any of the candidates, open challenge, bring it on. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Not a lot actually happened last week, so I have no idea why our next guest decided to extend his weekly show by multiple, multiple hours. Breaking news and breaking the internet nightly on said show, Piers Morgan Uncensored, on Talk TV at 8pm tonight. Boris has left. Away he ran. But what do you think about our next guest for PM? It's Piers Morgan! <laughs> All right, Piers. Good morning, how are you? Well, little did very well, thank you. Little did we know last Monday how the week was going to unfold and explode. Yeah, it's quite extraordinary, wasn't it? How fast these things can happen when suddenly the the, the ruthless Tories get their mix into somebody. Um, you know, a bizarre sort of week in many ways. And what is even more bizarre is that the, the guy who got turfed out after 60 of his own ministers said they no longer had confidence in him, remains prime minister and might do for several more months, which is, to me, one of the most inexplicable parts of the whole thing. So, But they are saying, aren't they, that that happened with David Cameron and Theresa May. Am I missing something there, Piers? Well, yeah, but they didn't get this unbelievable onslaught of votes of no confidence from their own ministers. I've never known anything like it, when most of the cabinet turn on a prime minister and eventually he has to go, but he he hasn't actually resigned as prime minister, I'm not sure, even if many people are aware of this. He's just said he's going to go. Uh, and I, I just think it's a strange situation. But anyway, obviously, as you can see from the papers today, everyone's moved on now to who's going to take over. Interesting call you're making about Tom Tugendhat because I played golf at the weekend with one of my oldest village mates who happens to be one of his constituents. And he said to me that he wrote to him several times in the last year or so about local environmental issues. And he said he got incredibly fast and very detailed personal responses and I don't know about you, Chris, but there's something about the way that MPs treat their constituents on a local level, if they do it like that, which I find very impressive. It means to me they're not just in this for the power and the glory, they're actually in it to try and affect change in the constituencies that they represent. So I was impressed by that. And I think he is, when you read about his military record in particular, um, this, is, this is a guy who's been in some very serious situations. And all the people that were with him speak incredibly highly about his courage, his diligence, his work ethic, his, uh, his loyalty, uh, and his sort of uh, ability to handle ferocious fire. So all of those things, you know, you look at this runners and riders list, 
A lot of them are very predictable, but a lot of them are attached to the old regime. Tugendhat is a completely fresh face in all this, and I would not underestimate him. Yeah, and also, you know, if he goes up against Keir Starmer, say they become ultimate adversaries, you've got two, two you know, serious men, um, you know, who don't shy away from detail, the opposite of uh, everything we've seen for the last mm-hmm. couple of years, but also who've had other jobs, you know, so have, yeah. you know, existed in the real world and, you know, achieved success, whatever that means, but also respectability and renown. I think also, I think this is important. They have a respect for the office that they hold. And I think that comes from the previous jobs they've had. Because I think one of the problems I had with Boris Johnson, he has such a cavalier attitude, not just to the truth, but also to the integrity of the position that he held. He just didn't seem to care what was going on. And Partygate, to me, completely personified this attitude. You know, I heard somebody this morning, one of the top former civil servants, there, saying it would never have happened when he was at Downing Street because people then had such a, a, real, a real understanding of what it took to represent the country in this hugely powerful place. And I think Boris Johnson just cut a swathe through that. And his sort of very loose attitude to everything in his own life extended to how he, he behaves as prime minister. So I think whoever wins this contest, um, and whether it's that winner or Keir Starmer after the next election, I just hope that we do get back to old-fashioned respect for the office, because I think that's what the public is now crying out for. Yeah, in a way, you know, if you get two characters like that, or, you know, somebody else similar, I mean, obviously Keir's in position in, in, as, as um, Labour leader anyway, but, you know, if you get Tom Tugan or somebody else equally serious, you know, who's had another job, mm-hmm. who does have another life, who wants to do this for real reasons as opposed to a stepping stone to whatever other people may consider it to be, you know, they, they could have a cup of tea between them, couldn't they, you know, behind closed doors... And put sort of party politics to one side and said, "Look, I know, I know that you know, uh, out on the pitch, uh, we're very much against each other. But why don't we just make it our own sort of purpose in our lives to look back on and get get um, get politics back on, on the rails? That would be a nice." Yeah, thing. I think I do think the return to that kind of civility between the different factions would be extremely good. I'm well. You know, I think that one of the problems you see in America as well is it's so toxic now the partisan political atmosphere, that there's no walking across the aisle and doing deals with your opposition. It's just whoever's in power, the other side then spend the entire time trying to destroy them. And that doesn't, in my view, live up to their duty to serve the national interest. And the same applies in this country. We are facing an unbelievably tough time. You know, this financial crisis is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. The Ukraine war is going to be increasingly devastating in terms of energy and food for the rest of the world, never mind what's happening to the Ukrainian people. The pandemic is not over either. This this is an almost unprecedented triple whammy of challenges. And what we do need are serious people. We need serious-minded people who are going to take the job seriously and try and sort these problems out. I think we're done now with the party, the party boys and girls. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. All right, Piers, thanks so much. We'll catch up with you again on Monday. Uh, but he's live on the telly again tonight. Of course, he is. Piers Morgan, Uncensored Talk TV. Eight o'clock with Mickey Rourke, live and uncensored this evening. Now, that's a conversation you might want to tune into. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Okay, so we've heard from a bunch of incredible guests already, but there's still more to come. Our favourite moon guru, Kirsty Gallagher, and 
only impressive impressionist Ronnie Ancona look ahead to this year's car fests. Plus, coach and therapist Donna Lancaster shares nuggets of wisdom from her book, The Bridge, A Nine-Step Crossing into Authentic and Wholehearted Living. Knowledgeable nutritionist Dr. Hazel Wallace lays down the facts from her book, The Female Factor, Making Women's Health Count and What It Means for You. Plus, golfing legend Wayne Radar Riley from Sky Sports came on the line live from St. Andrews to talk about the 150th Open, which is exclusively live on Sky Sports The Open. They have renamed Sky Sports Golf to Sky Sports The Open in honour of the 150th tournament. Let's get right back to it then. So, Ginger Jack, who's next? With a surname like our next guest, you are probably waiting for bad language and Britpop references. But instead, you're going to see a full mini. Well, not that kind, you filthy animal, but she is here as a superstar to our super moon. Such an amazing guest, we really have to flatter her. Please welcome the incredible Gusty Gallagher! <laughs> Good morning, Gusty. <laughs> what an introduction. I know. I know, they do say about our energy that one of the reasons um, a, a lot of us end up drinking and things like that <laughs> is because, right, if you channel your energy and you were open permanently, right we have enough energy in us to explode and that's you why do. if you don't sedate yourself or anesthetize yourself or distract yourself um with books movies um drink or or whatever it may be or practices you know so if you yeah. practice you calm yourself down and you get back to the breath if you didn't do that you would explode because that's how much potential energy we have inside us which is why a lot of us can't bear it you know and a lot of people who, who suffer from uh, substance abuse you know, they're really beautiful individuals who are more sensitive and feel this more than others. Um, I'm not saying Ginger Jack is one of those at all, but he does represent that kind of energy because he does sound like he's about to explode. And I think one day he might explode during an intro. Um, thankfully, it wasn't yours. Thank goodness. <laughs> Kirsty, uh, by the way, Kirsty Gallagher, who we're talking to now, stars in today's Before the Show Show show. Um, at Virgin Radio UK and Insta. Please do watch it. Um, and also at Chris Evans TFI. It's a brand new Before the Show show. It's there now. It's an Insta reel for you to watch and enjoy. Uh, but she is our moon expert. I, I've still got... We've got to come up with a better handle for we you. Do. you. What are you? You are... I quite like Queen of the Moon. Queen, queen I quite, of, I quite queen like that. Queen of the Moon, Moon Queen. Um, I don't know. I'll figure that out. It's my High job. High Luna Priestess, maybe. We could really, oh, really go there. Just write that. Say that again. Higher, High Luna Priestess. Higher Luna Priestess. <laughs> Priestess. Okay, that's. I think we're done. I think that's there done. There we go. Let's get let's uh, get that domain straight away. Um, Hirelunapriestess.co.uk or dot com. What do you dot want? Dot com. We're going. We're going, going worldwide here. Of course, we you're, are. The, you're the moon lady. Kirsty, what does the book mean? It's out today, and we should be able to see it. Uh, what's it going to look like? How big is it going to be? What does it all mean? Oh, really big. Even if you saw the moon the past few nights, I mean, the moon takes my breath away regularly. But last night, it was just incredible. So this is the biggest supermoon of this year. We're in a run of a couple of supermoons now. And what that basically means is when the moon goes full at her closest point to the Earth... So when you see the moon tonight, she'll look a lot bigger, a lot brighter and a lot lower in the sky. So last night, I almost felt like I could touch her. She was just there, hanging in the sky. This moon is is a really powerful moon for a couple of reasons. It's the first full moon after the summer solstice. So on the summer solstice, it takes us into the second half of the year. We kind of ask ourselves, what do we want to leave behind in the first half? What are we moving into? And this full moon comes as now a checking point to say, what snuck into this half of the year with you? What did you say you were going to let go of? What were you intending to leave behind? What have you moved back into doing without even realising? 
So it's a really, especially being a supermoon, a big, bright illumination point where she gets us to really look at and check in with our lives. The Capricorn moon, the moon being in Capricorn, always shakes the foundations of our lives because it's a moon that is about long-term visions, the bigger dream, what's the bigger picture of your life? So this moon will kind of shake the foundations so that anything that's not true, that's not long-lasting, that's not meant for you long-term, kind of gets to fall away a little bit. So we get to build a really firm foundation on something that's going to be lasting. And it's a moon that is really going to create change. This moon is going to stir within us. If you've been thinking for a while of making a change, you've known for a while something isn't quite right in your life, you've been putting up with certain things and kind of going, oh, well, it's not so bad, I don't really like it, or being treated like this, or, but you've just been putting up with it, this moon will really highlight all of that and enable you to take back your power to create change without waiting for the outside world to change. Right now, I believe everything you've just said, and I really do. How do you know that stuff is going to happen? Why does that this moon particularly have those kind of effects on people, which I am sensing around me and have been for the last few days? Yeah. So when we look at a moon, we look at the star sign. The moon is new or full in, and each star sign, each zodiac sign, carries certain traits, certain uh, lessons, certain um, things it wants us to become aware of. So Capricorn, as a sign, is about the mountain goat, the long term vision getting to the top so we look at the zodiac sign then we start to go a bit deeper where it gets into the slightly more complicated astrology stuff if we look at any what's called aspects the moon is making so under this moon the moon is what's called conjunct she's next to pluto so pluto is the planet pluto's known as the destroyer pluto will come in and destroy anything out of alignment with our truth anything that we're doing that isn't meant for us pluto comes in to bring a big kind of awakening And then we also look to the ruling planet of a moon. So Saturn rules Capricorn. We then look at what Saturn's doing to give us deeper insight. So that's why each moon carries a similar flavour because of the zodiac sign. But each moon then takes us on a deeper journey. She makes different connections with different planets in the sky to bring more power down. We've got to wrap up. Do you think people went for bad moon rising or harvest moon? Uh, Felix is here. Uh, Which would your vote go to? Harvest moon. So would mine. Okay, um, we got the drum roll though, hopefully Go going on, on here. Um, uh, Miranda in Hampshire, bad moon rising, please, is what we're hearing from Miranda. Okay. <laughs> Um, we're hearing uh, from Lottie in Durham. We're hearing uh, Bad, Bad, Bad. Um, bad Moon Rising Smithy in Tunbridge. Is this uh, one-way travel here, Felix? Slightly, yeah. There okay. are a couple for <laughs> All right. Moon, but... Would you oh. like to officially declare the winner? One more time for Felix, who's been very busy on the text today. Bad Moon Rising or Harvest Moon? It's Bad Moon Rising! Bad Moon Rising! Thanks to Kirsty Gallo, thanks to Vassos, Thank the all-new you. Vassos! Yeah. And thanks to Shirt Rachel, wearing. thanks to the team. Have a great Wednesday. We'll see you Thursday. Thursday already tomorrow. Bye-bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. I'm really sorry to announce this, listeners, but I am leaving Virgin Radio. I have to follow my dream and become an impressionist. Morning, beautiful people. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Vessos here. Rachel. News, news, news. 
China. Okay, maybe it needs some work. Well, luckily our next guest here will be at Carfest South on August 26th to 28th. Oh, she's a national treasure. I don't even need to tell ya. Please welcome Ronnie Agonia. I think you're spot on with your impression there. Uh, nothing wrong with that at all. Ronnie, good morning. Good morning. How, How are, are you, I'm very Chris? well. How are you? I'm very well. I'm sorry. I, I was I was supposed to be coming in here with um, Sally Phillips, but she's now a lead in the film, so she's changed. Really? <laughs> oh, my God. She doesn't get out of bed for less than 10,000 Pence well, on, rider. on and she'll Monday, get up for a sip of kumquat juice and Monday, maybe a Nesquit. And that's she was it. still coming in on Monday, so it's, it's, she must have got the gig pretty quickly overnight. Then, <laughs> <laughs> no, she's um, she's fine. She's just a bit. She's just a bit exhausted. Is but she... um, so I'm and I'm here on her behalf. <laughs> I'm here on her behalf um, as well as me, obviously. You've been paying attention to what's going on with the Tory leadership contest, of course. Um, have you brought any yes, of those I'm, contenders in with you? Well, I, I not. Um, and it was as cursed you are, it's, it's, it's a bit of an East Eight Horse race, isn't it? No, it's an Eight Horse, is it? Rishi Zuna, I'd love to hear Kirsty get her her um, chops around some of those names. Um, yeah, I thought I'd take this opportunity to um, announce my political aspirations. I'm throwing my own hat into the ring. My armies are gathering in the north as we speak, Chris. So you and Sal are working on stuff together, aren't you? What's going on yes, with you two? No, well, we've got this, we've got a production company called Cap. Captain Dolly, which is part of a bigger uh, a film company called Film Soho, and we've it's it's sort of grown into this little um, mini film studio. We've got distribution and international sales and pre-production and post-production, and um, it's all very very exciting. And suddenly we're being very grown up and serious, which uh, everybody finds highly amusing. And we're producing a couple of films, um, one of which is uh, about classic cars called classic very originally titled and the director and uh, of that film Tony Pitts he's kind of a mixture between Jeremy Clarkson and Philip Larkin it's kind of Clarkin really um, film it's a kind of a bit like best in show really with classic cards so that's all very exciting yeah, and so we've got he, loads he's, of other he's, stuff He's a big writer for Johnny Vegas, isn't he? Big yeah, 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 absolutely. So we've got loads of stuff going on. We're just fast becoming moguls. Let me just put my large cigar out when I say that. So, um, yeah, so that's very exciting. And, of course, um, we're going to be at Carfest. Yeah, you are now. You're going to be in, in conversation with this one over here to your right. We are doing, um, we're doing a panel called Funny Women. So we've got... She's got Jennifer Saunders. <laughs> She's going to be there. I'm going to be there. We're going to have Joe Brands. Not one to stay at home and eat cake. No. And um, Mel Goodroy. Yeah, mate. I'll be there, won't I? Yes. And uh, Ruby, I know. I'm very funny too. We're all going to be. Actually, none of those people are going to be there. But I will. <laughs> and I tell you, I will be polishing up my Ashling B and my Catherine Ryan to make sure you have a full cornucopia of funny women. But the bill is fantastic. <laughs> we have got we've got the wonderful Sally Phillips and Sally and I do a double act together and we have um, we've got Shapiko Sandy. Wonderful. I love her. Love her. And the wonderful Harriet Thorpe. Have I got that right, you Rachel? You have got that right. And Harriet Thorpe is that fantastic comedy actress that you might remember her from Ab Fab and also so, from behind the desk in the British Empire, she kept her she children with the children in, in the, the drawer. drawer. 
And that's how I emulated motherhood myself. Um, they're a little, they're a little large for the draw now, my kids. But um, yeah, amazing. So you two uh, obviously know each other quite well. We, well, we sort of fell in love, yes, didn't we, at, at last car fest, car fest last year? We really we did. It's <laughs> <laughs> a nice chats. We had lots of very, very nice chats over a couple of cocktails so, and a yeah. tent. So this year we need to catch up and we will catch up on the stage and we will share our catch up with everybody who's lucky enough to buy tickets. Yes. And also, can I just point out at this juncture that basically all of for Carfest, everything goes for charity, unlike a lot of sort of profit raising festivals that doesn't. But what is seven charities that Carfest raises yeah, for? Yeah, no, well, loads if you include Children in Need because they, they sort of divvy it all up between uh, lots of different people. And it's tw- over 20 million quid over the last few years, 10 years. And we're definitely going to do two this year. We might even do three. But only yes. because of people like you and Rachel and Vassos and people who bothered to turn up and, and, and the people yes. who come. Yes, uh, so- I'll bring Olivia Coleman with me. She's going to come as well. <laughs> might do a couple of, a bit of that. Very, very versatile as an actress because I can play the Queen and also detective in Broadchurch. Ronnie, thank you for supporting Carfest again. You're amazing. No, I love it so much and it's such a wonderful cause and it's amazing. And you've got people like Rachel Horn for this. I know, I know. And if she doesn't turn up, it doesn't matter because you can do You can do do me. Can you do me? I'm, I'm go- yeah, I might, I'm going to have a go at you actually, but um, I no, no, because you're not that. No, you're. I've totally got that wrong because you're from the north. Don't worry about you're... it. All right, <laughs> I'll, work on, I'll work on you. For yeah. tickets, Ronnie. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for giving us your time. Not time doesn't do refunds, and you gave us some of yours. So thank you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Welcome to Scotland, home of the brave, land of the free, and kingdom of men with sticks and balls. Yes, the 150th Open will be exclusively live from St Andrews on Sky Sports Golf and starts today. With 13 winners from the last 13 Opens, it's anyone's to win. Commentating all week, they must think of them highly. Forever champion, it's Wayne Riley! Come in, Wayne! Hi. <laughs> How are you, Wayne? I'm very well indeed. How are you guys? I'm good. Hey, girls. Tell us about uh, what it's like up there. How's it been for the last week? Um, tell us everything uh, you can, uh, you know, and can get across in like a minute or so. Off you go. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm down in the tented village and it's uh, absolutely magnificent. The people are here everywhere. There's, there's bean bags, there's Sky VIP simulators, free golf lessons. That's where I'm going straight after this. And, you know, it's uh, unreal. There's golf pros. And there's even a little newsroom for these budding young news reporters to get in there and see if they're any good. And I'm sure they all are. But the atmosphere is just electric right now. I must say it's very, very cold, early doors, and the wind's starting to kick up. The early doors players, they've got such an advantage to get out there and try to post a score. But the old course, who's going to be the champion golf of the year? We shall find out. We're underway. All right, so how baked are those fairways? How much is the ball running? Uh, how under threat could the course be over the next few days? Chris, it's fast. You know the course well. It's, it's, I've never seen My first Open here was in 1984. That was Seve's year, the great dance on the 18th, the great Seve. And, uh, yeah, it's as fast as that year. Uh, I played here in 95. It wasn't so fast. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's like the Torval and Dean would be at home <laughs> in the respect of the, 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 the quickness of, of the fairways. So very 
difficult to, to, to hold the fairways, going out the winds out of the left-hand side and coming home the winds out of the right. So you're, you're flirting with the out-of-bounds on the right going out and on the, with the out-of-bounds coming home down the right-hand side. And the, the RNA have done a wonderful job here. I'm sure they've been a little scared about the boys going too low in this great championship and shooting in the early 60s. And no, not today. They've gone out there and they have tucked those flags and they are in some awkward positions, but very fair. So we've got a, we're set fair for a wonderful 150th Open. And um, who's going to be the champion golfer of the year? Well, we shall see. What an honour it would be for one of these players to, to lift the claret jug, the old claret jug. You get to keep it for a year. And, uh, uh, you know, we all grew up. I grew up with pictures of Seve on the wall and Nicholas and Normans, these great players. And uh, it never happened for me. But, uh, gee whiz, someone's going to be... You know, kissing that thing come Sunday evening. No, but you did. You did. You have won tournaments, several tournaments, and you also won the Scottish Open. I presume when you won it, it was also the week before the Open then? Yes, it was. At Canoosey, yeah. And I beat a certain guy who won six majors, Nick Faldo. So that's my claim to fame, big fella. Uh, right. Uh, what of Tiger Woods? Have you seen him? How's he looking? What do you reckon? Yeah, well, I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. I was over at Adair Manor doing the uh, JP. And we had a lot of time having a good chat. Yeah, look, he's just eased his way into this and uh, with the ankle problems and, you know, back fusion. He's, like, he's the bionic man. He's one of those guys. But back in, back in the, the, you know, 2018 when he won the Masters, I didn't think anyone, especially me, I didn't think we'd ever see him win a major again. So who's to say? I mean, you know, he's one of those guys. This is a golf course that doesn't suit one style of play. The living proof is Zach Johnson, who isn't a long, long hitter. Uh, he won back here in 2015, the last time this great championship was won here on the old course, the old lady of St. Andrews. So you don't have to be long, just as long as you can weave your magic and you know, tack your way around this fantastic place. It's just a, it's our holy grail of golf. It really is. Lords of cricket, you know, St. Andrews at golf, anywhere in the world. So Tiger, don't count him out. We'll, we will find out where he is at today, Chris, in the respect of um, what he shoots today. It's such a big telltale today where, where the great man, 15-time major champion is. Uh, so we know how um, uh, the RNA are trying to prep the course uh, to, to defend itself against these sort of um, uh, very sort of um, uh, f- uh, sorry, c- competitive, fr- friendly conditions. What about you, Wayne Riley, uh, roaming around that course there as the ultimate uh, sports raving reporter? Uh, what preps have you made? Extra hydration, lighter clothing as usual, um, you know, because we want you to be safe, Wayne, because we love you, Radar Riley. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've done everything. that I've, I've been out and checked out the golf course. I came up and did a drone shoot a week or so ago, and, and then all of a sudden I looked around and where the, where the pins were going to be, the bunkers to stay out of. What about, Chris, what about all those years ago in 2000 when the great Tiger Woods we were speaking of before went around this on his way to victory, and he stayed out of all of these tiny little coffin bunkers. Yeah. So, you know, you just got to find it. But every time I go out on this golf course, as you know, you go out there and every day you go out there and you walk into the, the rough because you need to to get away from players and get out of their shot. And I find a new one. And it's just, uh, it, it, it's absolutely incredible. The place is, is, is just in, amazing. And we were, all, <laughs> we were also looking forward to... To, to watching it, and I, me especially, you know, I go, oh, mate, all I need, like, unlike you, you've got to get in there every morning and do your prep as you do. Me, give me my yardage book, 
have a yardage book, will travel. <laughs> but you're always so enthusiastic and I love it. Why wouldn't you be? But some people aren't and you always are. Wayne, great to talk to you. Have a fantastic tournament. Hey, thanks. I love your show. I listen to it every morning. Wow, that's super cool. That makes me so happy. The 150th Open is now underway at St Andrews. It's live on Sky Sports until Sunday. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Listen up, ladies. It's time to tune into yourself and make some changes. It's hot outside, so make sure you've got on your Factor 30. But this next guest is already lathered up with the X Factor with her new book, The Female Factor, out now. Here to help you become flawless, absolutely flawless, please welcome Hazel Wallace. Good morning, Doctor. <laughs> Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Um, so I've already fessed up. I didn't read this book, and I read all the books on the show because Vassos, um, he intimated it was a cookbook. He said, can I borrow it? Can I take it home? Because I'll cook some for it from the show because he was going to give us that extra added content. I said, yeah, go on, fill your bits. He's brought nothing in. There's no evidence in my cook store. <laughs> I can only apologise for you. However, Rachel, so you're right. Her, she is already worshipping better. You're all to Hazel. That's the thing. Hazel, I'm 42, so I think I am your absolute prime candidate for this book. Although I did say earlier that anybody who is a woman or who has a woman in their life should read this book. Absolutely. You cover everything from periods and continents, checking your breasts for lumps. There's a whole chapter on sleep and it's all about nutrition. And so for me, the first thing I've done since reading this yesterday is I would have a coconut flat white every morning at 7am. I've changed it to soya because you talk about introducing soya when you're coming up towards menopause and it's not in my diet. So what difference do you think that should make for me? Well, the difference between coconut milk and soya milk, there's a couple of things. First of all, it's high in protein. Protein's really important um, for our bone health, but also for our hair, skin and nails and our muscle mass. And the reason that I talk a lot about soya when it comes to your perimenopause and into your 40s is because there's phytoestrogens, which are plant-based chemicals in soya, that have been shown to help improve symptoms of the menopause. But they're also really, um, they're antioxidants, so they're really important for our overall health, not just for women as well, so for men. Um, And so I think that switch is a really smart switch that you've made, and hopefully you like the taste of it too. I did, it was (laughs) lovely. Yeah, by the way, instantaneous. Uh, Three other things, four or five other things that women could introduce into their diet today, not necessarily sort of um, uh, substitute for something else, or maybe, like you have done from your coconut milk, that you could give us off the bat? Well, it's very difficult to say for all women because in the book I talk across a woman's lifespan and she has major hormonal fluctuations across the menstrual cycle, into the menopause, around pregnancy. So it's very different for each individual woman. So, you know, going through puberty, iron becomes more important. During pregnancy, folic acid is really important. In the menopause, like we mentioned, soya products can help with symptoms, but also your heart health and your bone health are more at risk when you go through the menopause because of that drop in oestrogen. So I want you to be thinking about calcium and vitamin D, thinking about getting a Mediterranean style diet. So there's lots of different things. And if you go through the book, when you do go through the book, Chris, there is, um, it's quite extensive. And I'm sure you'll agree, Rachel. Uh, honestly, Vassos, you and I have had run-ins before, but you taking this book home, me not reading it. Sorry. I know, but... Did you, know, you think it was a cookbook as well? I did think it was a cookbook. Just a straight up cookbook? Yep. A healthy cookbook? Well, I, I've, but there's so I, much more I've in it. There's, like, there's 50 there's recipes so in the, more, book yeah. the book at the end. Yeah. Which, so are brilliant, 50 recipes. which are brilliant, by the way. But it's just, it's not a cookbook first and foremost. Can we just talk about hot flushes? Because yeah. we were talking about them on Monday. 
Because blokes have them. We all have hot flushes. How do they happen? Basically, um, we obviously have this internal thermostat that helps regulate our temperature. And that is uh, altered when you go through the menopause. Because we lose oestrogen. That's the main thing that happens when you're going through the menopause. And I think we all assume that that's just stopping our ability to conceive and reproduce. But actually, oestrogen is really important for lots of different aspects of health. Our brain health, our heart health, our bone health. Um, And that's one of the reasons why women can experience these crazy increases in temperature even when they're not in a hot environment um, not all women will experience it typically if your mum experienced it you're likely to experience it right. um, but things like watching caffeine intake spicy food and including soya-based foods in your diet are some of the mechanisms that can help improve that if my wife has had the night sweats for the last five years probably more um and she may be perimenopausal, she may be premenopausal. Um, uh, is, is it something to do with when you eat as well, perhaps? The later you eat, especially for, for as far as night time is concerned? Yeah, potentially, because it would be de- depend on what you're eating as well. So um, our bodies are very sensitive to when we're eating. And in the night time, we're not really primed to be eating food. So I often say try not to eat too late into the day because it's going to disrupt your, your evening. And also when you're sleeping, when you're resting, that should be a time where you're allowing your body to do that restorative process. What's the best thing? we can do um you know both men and women um as far as uh, drinking and eating is concerned before we go to bed how um long would you leave it and what what kind of things you know if we were sort of coming into land as it were from a nutritional point of view you know mid-afternoon early evening what what kind of things would you suggest i would say um try to cut off your eating time two to three hours before you go to bed right um make sure you're not having a huge meal before going to bed and nothing too high in fat because that reduces and slows down absorption so it could keep you up at night um again think about caffeine caffeine and anything that's a stimulant so even things like dark chocolate has caffeine in it and we don't really think about that and, and our, our resistance gets less doesn't it as the day goes on so yeah. this is the perfect storm brewing every night isn't it in our kitchen yeah in our cupboards that's it i mean most of us will eat for 16 hours of the day but i think if you can try to stick to a 12 hour window so from 8 a.m to 8 p.m maybe this is the second time I've heard this in a week. Because really? everybody's been raving about 16, 8, or even 18, 6. Yeah. But I've heard 12, 12 is the way forward. Uh, Volta Longo, Dr. Volta Longo, who's this, one of the world's leading experts in longevity, which I'm sure you're aware of, he swears by 12, 12. And he, swear, he swears by um, uh, a lighter lunch, the lightest meal of the day being the lunch, the biggest being the breakfast or the brunch, and then um, tea time being sort of third or fourth. Yeah, I think it depends on what works for you, but... Generally, if you can eat larger meals earlier in the day, from a metabolic point of view, it seems to be more beneficial. Uh, we got there. We haven't got any seconds left. Anything you want to get out there before we go? Um, I guess I just want to send a message to women to that it's not all in their head and that we are not just small men. We are very physiologically different, and so don't be afraid to speak up if you are struggling with something. Right. The book is brilliant. The food medic, the female factor, making women's health count, and what it means for you by Dr. Hazel Wallace. Our guest this morning. Website thefoodmedic.co.uk and Instagram and all <laughs> the that the Food Medic and podcast got it alright thanks so much thank you uh, back tomorrow have a great day you lot <laughs> <laughs>
The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. We all need help to heal our wounds and this guest will certainly help patch you up. Her new book, The Bridge, a nine-step crossing into authentic and wholehearted living is out now. Look, George Michael always said we need to have a faith, a faith, a faith and he was the master. So let our next case gauge you. It's Donna Lancaster! Oh, Jackie, it's so good to have you back. Good morning, Donna. Good morning. I feel like a rock star. Yeah, now how'd you come <laughs> Last week you wouldn't have got Jack because he had COVID last week, but he's Aww, back. I'm very and honoured. his intros are back with him. So here's me banging on all morning about the fact that the bridge is the book of the retreat, but the retreat is no longer. Tell us about the retreat. Tell us when it started, um, how it manifested itself, where it took place, what things kind of things happened there, and, and then how come it's not it's it's no longer happening at the moment as we speak. Yeah, so we started started the bridge we launched in 2015 and then we did five years and it was a six-day residential program and really supporting people basically to work on their emotional blocks, you know, so anything that was holding them back in life. So it was kind of known as a grief retreat, um, but I'm interested in a broader definition of what grief means, which is a natural emotional reaction to any significant loss. And so we had people from all over working on all different issues you know somebody might be there because they just split up with their partner and somebody else it was because they you know were sent to boarding school at sort of six years old and had never got over it so it was you know a whole range of reasons and people always think it wasn't a barrel of laughs but and that's what I really feel passionately about is grief and grief work as I call it which is what the bridge is about is about supporting people to put down that heavy load and then that creates more lightness and joy um, so it was yeah six days it was in Somerset but obviously the pandemic hit and we tried to take it online which those people who did it online would say that they had a very powerful experience but for us it lacked a certain something so uh, enters the book yeah well here it is uh, the bridge and I step crossing into authentic and wholehearted living so um, I know Brandy Gordon went to the bridge didn't she she did uh, did Fern go or not no, no but, Fern but Fern has a, she's worked with you and in her last book she had this chapter on prayer which I, was my favourite chapter in her book and she talked about about you and her and prayer. Yes. In that. Just speak to that for a second, if you don't yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I'm very passionate about non-religious prayer. I'm not religious myself, um, but I believe in the power of prayer. And it's one of those words, it's a bit like grief. You can clear a party, you can clear a room, uh, uh, you can clear a table if you say the G word. Yeah, stay tuned, everyone. It's all going to be fine. Yeah, we've lost them, we've lost them. And it's the same with prayer. And I really want to reclaim the word prayer and the idea of praying from, you know, it's not only for people who have a traditional religion and I totally respect those people that do but for me prayer is about a form of worship and what I pray I worship is life I worship life and so I pray to life and I'm just engaging and connecting with life and as I always say life is talking to us all the time so is it really that crazy to to uh, speak back when is life talking to us and uh, when are we talking to ourselves and how do you know the difference yeah this is the thing so I think that life talks to us all the time through nature through people through all the different ways we encounter unexpected events <clears throat> excuse me uh, etc and so um, what I like to do is go out into nature and that's where I uh, I pray in, in nature as I'm walking and really how I tell the difference myself is it be- it becomes 
you know, I always laugh with people about when I walk, I, I have a wood near my house and I, when I walk amongst the trees, I get such answers and such clarity in those places. So, for, for example, one of the um, pieces that I wanted to write was called What the Tree- Trees Told Me and my book agent said, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Literally trees. But it's really, that's where I get clarity. It's almost like the nature is my church yeah. and when I pray, that's when I hear the the kind of wisdom come through that I need that guides my life and I've just learned to trust it and because I've kind of laid to rest some of my own historical pain and wounds I know that it's not coming from that place it's not coming from my wounds because they're settled if that makes sense it makes complete sense and I am with you all the way you know, if you feel at all anxious, if I ever feel at all anxious, and I'm anxious on a daily basis, you know, I'm really happy and content, but I, yeah. I, I still recognize, I recognize my anxiety because I'm happier and more content, yes. you know, and if I just take a breath or, you know, literally um, just sort of uh, listen a bit more intently, even to a train passing, something like that, you know, it immediately uh, relaxes me, reassures me. Yes. Um, it just makes me feel more, massively more at ease instantly. Yes. It's not a five minute thing or a 10 minute no. thing. It's you just... Back in, back in the room or back out of the room or yes. however you want to describe it. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And it's, you know, it's like, it's also that thing about anxiety, Chris. It's like, for me, I get, like you, I get mild anxiety. Like, coming here, you know, it's I've, I've not been on a radio show before. You know, I've not met you. I'm an introvert. So all of these things creates a natural mild anxiety. And so I'm just sitting outside the prep just down the road and I'm just praying, you know. Oh. And I also love the fact that as a 55-year-old woman, I'm still vulnerable enough to have a kind of, like, anxiety of a five-year-old. So mm. I... And I think that's partly what the book is about is welcoming rather than saying oh my goodness I'm anxious and that's not okay it's like I'm sitting there and I'm thinking there's a part of me that's like five right now and I really am I love that part of me that sweetness right we're out of time you're amazing uh, the book is The Bridge uh, you can't go there anymore maybe you can go there once one time in the future maybe they'll, the retreats will begin again who knows we have got um, a two uh, day workshop called The Grief Space which is based on the bridge retreat but it's two days rather than six okay website website uh, deepening into life.com deepening into life.com or the bridge by donna lancaster and it's out now thank you donna you've been amazing the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky virgin radio thank you so much for listening to this the podcast of the virgin radio breakfast show don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our virgin radio breakfast show with sky 